Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. Strange case. No sign of violence, yet she looks completely contorted in fear. Almost as if she'd been frightened to death. As if she'd seen something too horrible to live through. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Hi, my name is Chris, and along with Jeff, we talk about movies that aren't really awful at all. Horror, action, kung fu, musicals, post-apocalyptic, women in prison films, and much, much more. From London, this is episode 226 of the Really Awful Movies podcast, Hands of the Ripper. That's right. And if I'm slurring my words a bit more than usual, it's because I am fucking pissed at this moment. And when I say pissed, I mean drunk. Mm-hmm. And it's because we are currently on holiday in jolly old England. Yes. And uh, we've been here for, what, the past four or five days? We have. And uh, we're right now at the uh, lounging in our... <laughs> spacious hotel room <laughs> and when i say spacious yeah. i'm being as facetious as i possibly could be hmm. i've never been this crawl close to you crawl spacious in my entire yeah. life especially yeah. when you're in this state it, of undress, undress. Which yeah is a little bit uh <laughs> disturbing to me much more disturbing than hands of the ripper could ever be yeah, yeah true enough but uh yeah no i mean we here we are we, we took a little holiday we were we were in london and uh we decided to sort of delve into jack the ripper uh, so we're going to talk about the Hammer, I was, oh. was going to say classic, but it's maybe a lesser Hammer. Yeah. Hands of the Ripper, it doesn't have, you know, your Hammer, it's not directed by Terrence Fisher, it doesn't have, uh, I don't even know who directed it, actually. Neither, neither do I, yeah, it doesn't have your stalwarts from, from that period, Peter your Cushing, Peter Cushing, Christopher and... Lee, what have you. But, in addition to talking about the movie, Hands of the Ripper, we were also going to talk about Saucy Jack himself. So we arrived here, say about what, uh, five days ago? Thereabouts, yeah. Yeah, and on our first day, first night here, we were very ambitious. And we booked a free tour, cheap motherfuckers, <laughs> yeah. which was going to be a Jack the Ripper tour, which is going to take us through Whitechapel and whatnot and show us all the different uh, Ripper highlights haunts. and yeah. haunts and where the victims were found and what have you. Well, as luck would dictate, or as foolishness would dictate, or fate would have it, we ended up inadvertently joining a paid tour yeah so instead of going on some bargain basement cheap tour we went on this very elaborate extensive 
paid tour yeah. with an incredible guide who was an older man, an older gentleman, who was as knowledgeable about Jack the Ripper as anybody I've ever heard. Certainly more than the host of this show, let's say. This yeah. guy was incredibly like grounded in the, in oh, the yeah. lore and the mystique. And, and the this knowledge. incredible speaker, erudite... Um, Fantastic! He would adopt the accents of the ladies of the evening and the particulars and the mm -hmm. and the con uh, constables, all the notable characters from this drama that played out 100 and now 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. This guy was on top of it, and would would if we could only give him a shout out because we as in we we admit we were on the wrong tour, but it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Thank you. But uh, we probably saved ourselves 30 quid each. Yeah, by, uh... yeah, yeah, indeed, and. So, you know, by we we were hoping to, I guess, you know, ground the discussion of Hands of the Ripper in the reality and the myth, the legend of Saucy Jack, mm -hmm. Jack the Ripper, the man who in 1888 terrorized, terrorized London. East London Whitechapel to the core and taunted the police and whose mystique and legend has only grown in the past century right. and a bit. Like, it's it just unbelievable. This is a man that was responsible for five brutal murders. And when we say brutal, I mean, when he... I mean, I always knew about Jack the Ripper and the legend of the Ripper. In fact, when I was a young child, the legend grabbed me. And how did it grab me? Well, there was a TV movie. It was a miniseries. It was on television. Well, that goes without saying. Yeah. Starring Patrick Bergen, Irish actor, who I recently saw in the abysmal, god awful Lawnmower Man 2. <laughs> uh, why? 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 Because why? one of our listeners, uh, one of our favorite listeners, DM Elms, recommended I watch it. Oh my, my! And man. it was it was everything she told me it would be and more. It was, it was <laughs> less. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Frewer took over for from Jeff Fahey, mm. and it was a complete shit show mm. but it was a shit show in the best regards yeah it basically what the movie did is it pissed on everything to do with the original uh lawnmower man which wasn't that great to begin with <laughs> yeah and <laughs> so there was this television movie patrick bergen uh, i don't i can't remember if he's playing it's some investigator what have you and this movie just like when Harold rivera was gonna you know blow the lid off uh, the al capone's al Capone tomb by yeah. you know going to the vault and yeah. there's nothing there this movie, the publicity purported to say this is going to blow the lid off the mystery of Saucy Jack, and this is going to reveal heretofore unknown facts. It's going to reveal the identity of Jack the Ripper. Well, the reality is, it did none of that. But it was a it was a good movie. It was it caught my attention mm -hmm. as a kid. Just as a child, you hear that name, Jack the Ripper, and it just it's evocative. It brings to mind something so violent something so yeah. violating you know the ripper like he's not the murderer he's not the mutilator in a lot of many ways he was the mutilator you know because when we when we heard about the deals of his murders he really was a mutilator mm. but just that name the ripper it's like this is this is not Tim Ripper Owens. This is not the guy that replaced Rob Halford briefly in Judas Priest. <laughs> oh my. This is <laughs> Jack the Ripper. So it fascinated me as a child, and and then I sort of, you know, I kind of the, um, got off the bottom. I remember we, you and I both, not together, but we were the, we were both in the same cinema in, on September tenth, two thousand and one. 
Yes, for the to, Toronto to International watch the Film premiere Festival. of Johnny Depp in From Hell. From Hell, which of course was an adaptation of the superlative graphic novel by Alan Moore of the same name. The movie paled in comparison, but <laughs> did it ever pale in comparison? However, it's just interesting that it was September 10, 2001. Of course, the next day, well, I mean... Yeah, the we calamity, yeah. yeah. But, um, I mean, the, 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 so many movies have attempted to either tell the tale of Jack or shine a light on Jack the Ripper or somehow, you know, be tangentially related, like Hands of the Ripper, which is a very tangential Jack the Ripper movie. Another movie I really like is Time After Time, starring um, Malcolm McDowell and, oh my God, David Warner. <laughs> and um, Malcolm McDowell played H.G. Wells, and David Warner played a doctor who was actually Jack the Ripper. And they got in a time machine. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. And they found themselves in modern-day London, and... Jack the Ripper, a.k.a. the doctor that David Warner was playing, was going to continue his murders in modern-day London. And Malcolm McDowell as H.G. Wells, first of all, he was romancing Mary Steenburgen in the movie, and he also mm. wanted to catch Jack the Ripper. So, I mean, beyond those movies, there's many, many movies. And I can't even, like, you know, I had a whole, in my brain, I was like, well, there's this movie and this movie and this movie and this movie or this TV show or this documentary or what have you. But this lore, this legend of Jack the Ripper has endured for so many years. Why, Chris? Why has Jack the Ripper fascinated the public? Yeah, and we were, we were discussing this over pints last night. And we, it has to be because there's no definitive answer as to who he was. And it seems like there's like a cottage industry of book after book after book and always some purported to be revelatory uh, you know in the sun or the Ex daily express but the new theory su suggests and it's always someone of higher and higher prominence mm -hmm. and uh, you know and by the same token lesser and less a evidence so someone is connected to churchill you name the luminary in british history and the ki killer is invariably connected Prince to them Eddie, what have yeah you, it's getting Victoria, quite quite yeah. ridiculous now so, you know yeah. you talk about um all these competing Jack the Ripper, what have you. But I mean, even when we went on our tour, there in Whitechapel, there was about 10 different tours going on at the exact <laughs> same time. Now, I think our tour was the best. I mean, again, I'm going to give credit to our tour guide. I wish I knew his name. This, this man was wonderful. In fact, he even gave a private tour to none other than Quentin Tarantino. Uh-huh. Because uh, apparently Quentin Tarantino at one point was um, considering making a movie about Jack the Ripper and he came down to London to Whitechapel to learn as much as he can about uh, good old Saucy Jack. And uh, yeah. our tour guide took him out on a private tour. So, yeah, I, I asked you, Chris. I said, do you think that if the identity of Jack the Ripper was revealed, do you think that would kill all of the um, interest? Um, yeah, it, it's just, it, it seems unending and endless. Uh, array of characters brought into this drama. There's no end in sight. It continues unabated. Uh, for me, the, there's the mystique of this area, and uh, we talk about Whitechapel, and you have this this name conjures up this, uh, you know, evocative images of of the. I think the guide said 1,400 women in the span of I think a, maybe, I want to say a third of a kilometer plying their trade in this tiny area that was a haven for newcomers, for immigrants. And what and trade was that? 
well, this is the world's oldest profession, mm -hmm. and it just it resonates to this day because that area is continually changing and was home to a large Jewish population at the time. Uh, and many of the bl who were who were blamed for this crime were obviously people who were from that class because of the anti-Semitism of the time. And now you have this, you know, it's an Arab Muslim population. It has like so it it retains its. Uh, immediacy and it has a resonance to this day because mm. people were being blamed as the graffiti on the wall said the Jews sick J-U-W-E-S are not ones to be blamed for nothing and and what was the um, the secret society that was also somewhat uh, important uh, well the FM the Freemasons the, Freemasons. the initials it would also uh, you mm. know uh, yeah, there's uh, all of these theories floating around about who it could have been. Amazingly the enough, man, all this stuff. At the end of the tour, he went through a laundry list of all the possible theories and that have been flowing around all these years. And even to go so far as to say it was uh, maybe a Tilda Ripper, it was a female. Yes. Um, and even an ape. Somebody said these birds were so <laughs> horrific and... and Ungodly, there's no way a human being could have done this because, honestly, he was going into the, the details of the murders. And, of course, we knew that, you know, Jack the Ripper was no ordinary serial killer. I mean, this was somebody who, he had just slashed his victim's throat or slit their throat. He would decapitate them. He would disembowel them. He would remove their ovaries. He would sever their intestines and... Throw all them over the shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just unbelievable brutality. And his last victim was basically flayed alive and i didn't really i didn't know that i mean i i did not know i mean i always knew the gory details but not to this extent so jack the ripper was beyond um a serial killer i mean this was a, a pure sadist this was somebody who had a real bloodlust beyond that he had a real vendetta against whomever whatever was giving him this compulsion to go out there and kill these ladies of the evening it was a very small window of time but during that time he terrorized all of london and in the victorian era and it's it's absolutely fascinating eminently fascinating you said he was your favorite serial killer <laughs> favorite <laughs> what a descriptor but yeah just because of the uh Again, uh, the stigma and the finger pointing and the scandal and the implication of uh, authority figures and those in power and just I don't think there's any other I, there's no one with whom you can compare him like who else would be potentially tied to Queen Victoria, King Edward, the, the, the Churchill? Like, there's no what serial killer would be the like. Come on, the, yeah, like you know the Green River Killer. No, he's just some like you know creepo in Seattle killing prostitutes. Mm -hmm. like, none of these. They're Ted Bundy, just some loser lawyer. You name it, the litany of serial killers. None of whom are in any way connected to the halls of power. So th I think that that was like incredibly. Mm. And because of the nature of the murders and because of the fact that when he would dissect these poor, unfortunate women, it wasn't a sloppy job. It was a surgical precision. So whomever this ripper was, I mean, he had to be somebody with either a medical background, at the very least, somebody with a tremendous knowledge of anatomy. Because for him, I mean... It wasn't enough just to take the life. He had to... It, well, one of the trick I said, it was basically the first sex crimes ever recorded because... Yeah. 
Well, uh, the, the kidney with Bright's disease that was removed from uh, Mary Eddowes, I, I want to say, if, if we get the names of the victims wrong, our apologies. But yeah, one of them in an advanced state of Bright's disease, another one with some other issue. He was slicing the vaginal area. Oh, yeah. So at the very least, because it's contentious, whether he was a medical practitioner, or whether he was a butcher, or what, that, even that, like there's nothing about him that you can say unequivocally or definitively that he was. I mean, it just adds to the endless like speculation and mm -hmm. mystery. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned, and I was very shocked that our guide mentioned that he didn't go into detail, we didn't press him, you know, maybe we should have, about how it could have been a woman. And I'd never heard that before. Well, that was I'm at interested. the very end of the tour. Yeah, yes. And, and yeah. it's because that dovetails nicely with Hands of the Ripper, which we're going to briefly touch on because there's really not much to go on in that movie. But in that, the purported daughter of Jack, and Jack is apparently, uh, I guess, just some uh, generic name for, for someone of the time. So the media dubbed him Jack the Ripper. Why Jack? Why, you know, why not John? Why not whatever? And he said, well, you know, I mean, Jack was a very common name. And, you know, of course, you think Jack of all trades, uh -huh. et cetera, what have you. Um, and there was another reason why, which I forget. I think at one point, um, one of the letters that was sent to Scotland Yard to taunt the police actually was signed Jack the Ripper. However, that was proven to be completely fabricated. That was somebody yeah. else. That was all these people that were taking credit for the murders when they weren't. I mean, this was unbelievable because beyond these horrific killings, you had this cat and mouse game with Scotland Yard. And the other thing that the tour guide mentioned was the different jurisdictions that were sort of butting heads. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And back then they didn't have the forensic, yeah, know-how and, and savvy and expertise to be able to uh, properly investigate such things. So there I was, mean, you know, this was not CSI, there's, yeah. you know, there wasn't DNA, there wasn't uh, Mark Harmon. I don't know, is that CSI or Mark Harmon? Yeah. <laughs> LL Cool J, I don't, I don't know. watch yeah. shows. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, so there, the, the police did not have the tools at their disposal to really suss out who this killer was. And the reality is, he was so savvy that every witness that claimed to have seen this killing or heard something or what have you, they never could get a, a, a real sort of proper description other than what would have been the garb adopted by about 50% of the population but there was at even the like, time. There was even disputes about the hat that he yeah, was wearing. Yeah, you know, yeah. one person a guy with a mustache who's five foot ten, uh, wearing a top hat. Okay. That's, that's, you know, 1888 London. There you go. That's, but somebody that's else said it was, it was more of um, oh, oh yeah, maybe a poor boy's cap or something pulled down, you? anything or clean shaven. God knows what. And then the other thing, you know, there's a theory that it was uh, William Gull, who was a physician to Queen Victoria, yeah. and this is what was in from hell, and that he would, you know, drive up in a coach in Whitechapel and offer these women these poison grapes, and they would then pass out, and he would go to town and what have you. And he was doing this to cover up the fact that Prince Edward, it wasn't King Edward, it was Prince Edward, I oh, believe, okay. hmm. um, was wanting to marry a commoner. Or... <laughs> yeah, it, was some, it gets extraordinarily elaborate another and Byzantine. Question, another question I asked our tour guide is, you know, why prostitutes? Is it because they were, did he consider them to be disposable? Is it because they were just easy prey, etc.? Many theories. Uh, there's a theory that Jack the Ripper was syphilitic and he was he caught that from prostitutes. He was trying to exact revenge. 
There was also the theory that it was just one woman he was looking to kill. And that's uh-huh. why the murders ended abruptly because once he killed that last lady, that was the end of that. It's that's another thing. It's very eminently fascinating how it just started and it stopped out of yeah. nowhere. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the same again. The incredible resonance to this day. The same thing occurred with the Zodiac Killer. Why has this thing but stopped? What is going on? I, I the think, same thing with the police. Like, why didn't this group work with this group? Uh, you, you big bureaucracy don't, don't think, work well. I don't with think one I don't think you can compare uh, no, Jack no. the Ripper, or I'm gonna call, as I'm going to call him Jr. for the rest of this podcast, <laughs> to any modern day serial killer. Hmm. He was uh, an entity amongst himself. Hmm. Only for the taunting would he uh, come close to Zodiac. But Zodiac did not. I mean, I saw the autopsy photos of. Uh, it might have been. Jeez. Edo's or Long Liz or one of them, and I yeah, I found that very jarring. It's a black and white, obviously, a photo of the crime scene, incredibly bloody. But we found out that there were skin tags chopped out of her, and she was basically like skinned alive. And well, we, no, we were that was his last victim. His, was yes, alive, uh, flayed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flayed is the word, mm-hmm. and that like we were we were sh- there were. Gl- glances being thrown around on this tour like we were shaken by that i wasn't i was i was smiling every time he was yeah because you're a sick fuck but no no like as someone who's seen the autopsy photo like i didn't get the sense of the the extra carnage like it was like it would just went beyond everything beyond anything that we've seen or heard and it was it was and the reason i was smiling is not because i'm a sadist or i have a i just have a morbid fascination and of course the tour guide picked up on that, and he asked me, he goes, uh, so you really, you're fascinated by this stuff, aren't you? And I said, well, actually, it's my friend, Chris, who was a, yeah. who was a real ripperologist of the of the bunch, but you were somewhat jet-lagged and were sort of quiet during the tour. Yeah, and, and it, it just goes to show, like, even in the time since I've been fascinated with this case, there have been so many new developments that I can't keep on top of it, and I can't keep track of who is what and... Uh, why someone had been ruled out and why not and like because back when I first encountered this and this was through Murder by Decree a Canadian British co-production with Christopher Plummer as Sherlock Holmes uh, hypothetically tracking down Jack the Ripper like uh, certain things have been questioned and other questions have come up and Mm -hmm. other answers have been Posited, and there's there's no way. It's well, almost, I mean, it's, it's for, like for, Titanic for in, every, in a way. It's for, continually fascinating. For every answer, all it does is debunk a previous question. Yeah. So, but it doesn't provide evidence enough on itself. Exactly. Yeah, it's just more questions. And then you know, other things that Jr. would do is he would you know mail body parts to the police. He would mail a kidney. He would do whatever. And as we said before, just the taunting. He's like, you know, you're not going to get me, and I'm, I'm going to strike again very soon. And and he was basically ta- he was daring the police to catch him. Yeah. And it was just it, it's it never happened before, and it hasn't happened since. It's just something that just captured the imagination of the public back then, and never abated. So to this day, it's a cottage industry, and. Yeah, and it, it was it was interesting to actually put a like you have you have these names in your head and these expectations. So when we finally got to Whitechapel, again, an interesting neighborhood. It's on the East cusp End. of East End London. It's on the cusp of being potentially gentrified, but not really. It's a very strange demarcation between like a, a banker 
uh, like area of like these stockbroker douche sort bags. of douchebags, and then it crosses over into this working class Arab neighborhood, and it's very odd to see that. And then the first murder we were site we were taken to has a uh, a Roman ruin of a wall right there, and I'm thinking, God, like this, there's so much history running through the city, and history upon history oh, upon yeah. history is being built on this. So for, I did not know what. For to example, expect. one of the one of the buildings that where uh, another victim was found outside is now a uh, dormitory for university students. Yeah, and it's just um, I mean, this city is incredible. Let's just say, like you know, unfortunately, it's our last night here in London, mm -hmm. and I wish we had a few more nights because I mean. We have had a phenomenal time here, and I've, we've seen a lot, and we've done a lot, but we have not seen everything. It's impossible in five days mm -hmm. to see it all. But, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the history of the city, wherever you go, like, there's something historical that they can say. is like Shakespeare was here doing this, or so-and-so <laughs> yeah. was here the doing this. The pub where Charles Dickens hung out, and, like, oh, or my God. Christopher Marlowe was uh, murdered, murdered yeah. et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> like, uh, just eminently fascinating. Um so, to sort of segue into Hands of the Ripper, what we have here is a movie that sort of postulates that Jack the Ripper was a family man. <laughs> he had a wife and a daughter. And when he was near the end of his spree, he killed his wife. And his daughter, who was basically a baby at the time, witnessed mm. the murder. And that sort of put her into this fugue state. And, actually, and of course, she was an orphan. And <laughs> Love the fugue state, huh? And as she, as she grew older, she was taken in by this psychic who was a bit of a charlatan. And not only would she do these seances where she would have the daughter of Jack the Ripper, who by the, whose name was Anna. And in the movie, she's a 15-year-old young lady. Yeah, yeah. Hiding in some sort of crawl space or whatever, pretending to you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. be some deceased. Speaking from beyond the grave, yeah. But beyond that, the, the quote-unquote psychic was turning young Anna out. And selling her, again, quote-unquote, virginity to patrons of her yeah, seances. Yeah. One of these people that she was claiming, you know, you could take her virginity, was an MP by the name of Dysart. And what's very interesting about this movie is that Dysart almost becomes this sort of like de facto hero. He becomes the morality, the mm. voice of morality in this movie. And I'm and I'm like, are we supposed to sympathize? And are we supposed to connect with Dyson or Dysart the pervert? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, Anna is adopted by a Freudian psychiatrist, psychologist by the name of. Dr. Pritchard, who happens to be taking in one of these seances. He's a man of dispassionate reason and science, and he quickly clues into the fact that this uh, person running the seance, the purported psychic, is a total grifter, and he senses that there's someone, uh, you know, is throwing her voice and uh, pretending to be from the great beyond, and mm -hmm. he feels a sympathy for this woman who's taken in for this, this to be part of this ruse, and he agrees to take her in As with his war, own yeah. motivation to uh you know to because i forget why but he suspected that there was something like you know like she would go into these hypnotic fugue states anna and she would revert back to like i guess the sins of her father and murder and pritchard wanted to study her he wanted to you know learn more about the mind of the murderer and so on and so forth so the crux of this movie is it really had very little to do with jack the ripper himself mm -hmm. 
that was the opening scene. Jack is running through Whitechapel, being pursued by the authorities. Of course, that's a complete fabrication. <laughs> yeah, He's never exactly. pursued by anybody. Yeah. He runs into his flat. He murders his wife. Why did he murder? I guess the police came in, killed uh, Jack. Again, complete fabrication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew this was not even the first Hammer film that dealt with Jack the Ripper. There was the, the title escapes me, but there was another film hmm. that dealt with Jack the Ripper. But anyhow, um, so yeah, I mean, Hands of the Ripper. Well, no, it's just, it's Hands of Anna. Mm-hmm. But when she goes into these trances, and I forget, Chris, what was the catalyst for her trances? Oh well, I guess uh, flashbacks to seeing her mother murdered. I guess when she no, was no, but a there was girl, something that, something that uh, tipped was, her off. Oh, it was a pendant again. A right, usual, a flashing, of course, it's so, always a fucking yeah, bauble yeah, yeah. or like a yeah. brooch. <laughs> that is like oh, that's that's. It even reminds me of like Get Out, which is like the clinking of the oh, glass yeah. and the string. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she would see the flash of light, and all of a sudden, she would go into that fugue state. And yeah, there was a couple good kills in this movie. I mean, there was some, yeah. some good throat slashing, and there was you know some stabbing with shards of glass and so on and so forth but and there was a very very perverse undertone because not only did you have the psychic at the beginning who was yeah a madam essentially yeah yeah but then later on you have anna being taken in by a prostitute whose name was long liz in an homage to of course one of Jack's victims. Yes. And her quote in the movie is, Long Liz is going to look after you. And of course, Long Liz wanted to do the same thing with young Anna, turn her out as well. Long Liz spent an untimely demise because something flashed, blah, 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 <laughs> kill, kill, kill. You know, oh, oh, yeah, and also an interesting, weird dynamic of this Dr. Pritchard, who by initially, seemingly, out of the goodness of his heart, as a good Samaritan to save this young girl from a life on the streets, but is essentially using her to uh, explore his theories of the mind via uh, Freud's nascent uh, psychoanalysis uh, theory that had been described, uh, d- developed at the time. So all he's really doing is using her as an experimental uh, guinea pig. So he takes her under his wing... Uh, uh, you know, he has her bathed and and tended to by his help and his his uh, uh, servant woman and all this stuff. And then, ulti- but ultimately, all he wants to do is study her mind because he suspects that she's a killer. So yeah, there's uh, different people looking to exploit this woman, and that's really at the crux of this. Very little to nothing to do with Jack the Ripper, but. We are men of our word. We did put a poll out on Twitter. What would you like us to talk about? Hands of the Ripper won. And ergo, yeah, Hands the, of the I, Ripper The other, the other such... choices were Murder by Decree, From Hell. Yeah. I wish you would have put time after uh, time on that. Up because, mm-hmm. I mean, that film, I think you would have got a kick out of it. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was what won. And so we watched it separately and, I, and we both came to the same consensus separately that this is not a very good movie <laughs> no it was a bad movie no, but it no. just didn't really no it wasn't a quintessential jack the ripper movie that miniseries that i watched all those years ago and i was like nine or ten with with good old patrick bergen you know was pretty damn compelling this was just a hammer film a latter-day hammer film that was tangentially related in the most tenuous way to yeah, jack yeah. the ripper um but it's okay because ultimately this podcast isn't so much about hands of the ripper the movie it's more just about jack himself and the enduring legend of mr ripper uh interestingly enough in this in in hands of the ripper uh one of the characters i forget which one turns to the other one and ta- says oh our good our old good queen victoria meanwhile this film took place 
15 years after the reign after of her, Victoria. Yeah, after her demise. So that was a yeah. bit of a gaffe, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a... Okay, let's just get that shit out of the way, okay? Yeah. What did we learn? Star rating. And then we'll yeah, talk yeah. a bit more about our trip and about Jack himself and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Um, so, what did you learn from Hands of the Ripper? Besides the fact that it's really not much of a Jack the Ripper movie at all. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh well, uh, you can take something that has basically nothing to do whatsoever with Jack the Ripper, and if you just insert some character that is is grounded in in reality, uh, Long Liz, the uh, Swedish-born prostitute and victim of Jack, and you just drop her in as if with a parachute. And Long Liz, uh, by the way, was a was a forty-two-year-old uh, prostitute mm-hmm. who that very that very same night that she was completely disemboweled, murdered, violated by Jack the Ripper, was in the safe custody of the police for public drunkenness, but they couldn't hold her overnight. Because there's no room in the in the drunk tank. I mean, there. this is the thing that always gets me about this time period, because they said, okay, 1,500 people working in this tiny part of but that East was, London. But that was not all the prostitutes That was not all of them. That was it would a have small been, vicinity, yeah. That was a small vicinity, and there's a 100,000 of them working. And I think her demise was the one that touched me the most because she had a normal life prior and obviously wasn't a lady of the evening her entire life. She was a nanny, and I, th- I believe she was married and got divorced. She, she got... And uh, she had a taste for the drink. Yeah, and, and you know, so it wasn't... she ended up falling on hard times. And a lot of these women were living in rooming homes. Oh, and uh, all you know, at the end of the night, when they were applying their trade, all they wanted was enough money to pay their 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 board for the yeah, evening. Yeah. Uh, many of these women were were sickly. Many of these women were had problems in terms of alcoholism or some sort of addiction. It was just a very sad state of affairs for women back then. And why were there so many prostitutes in London? You posited why it was well. Become... It just there's only so many occupations to go round. Is the height of or post industrial revolution, with uh, all all that was left to women of the time would have been uh, teacher, teacher, uh, uh, you know, scullery maid, uh, nanny. Maybe a, know, la- a landlord of some sort of a boarding house or something. Yeah, yeah. like there's very, very few options available even then. I mean... And if you were a divorcee, like I believe Long Liz was, what you Then not? you're really doomed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing you have to, you know, advance yourself. You have no hope. And it's just incredible to think 100,000 people, you know, like two giant, you know, football stadiums full of... That like I, I can't conceptualize that for uh, now, London that might have had a couple million people right, at because the time. This was not London of today, where there's a population of eight million or what yeah. have you. This there was maybe what uh, two million. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm speculating, but yeah, mm-hmm. like that. That's it's just it's so sad. Other it's cool so things awful. about about uh, the era, um, electricity was like new and not very much um, in use. So of course you had your gaslights all over the place. So murder by gaslight, etc. Another reason why nobody could really get a, a fix on Ripper on, on, on JR because he would always murder under the cover of darkness, etc. Just, I don't know, man, just unbelievable stuff. So what I learned, well, okay. First of all, not much in the movie. I learned a lot from our tour. Amazing. Mm-hmm. That tour was just I can't I can't even recommend it enough. I wish I knew the name of the tour group that we ended up joining the paid tour. <laughs> yeah, so I exactly. can recommend to our listeners if you're ever in London, and you want to take an amazing tour, 
go with this particular gentleman, hmm. what have you. But, you know. We'll have to Google him and Quentin Tarantino and add it to the show notes and we'll, we we'll were see. We were supposed uh, to go on. for the best. We were supposed to go with strawberry tours, look for a big strawberry umbrella, which we only uh, <laughs> learned. It's funny because today we went to the Tower of London and that was where we met to begin the tour was right, was right outside tower mm-hmm. hill and we saw an idiot with the strawberry umbrella you know yeah, yeah exactly like, yeah, he would have been our tour guide um no i mean the, what really disappointed me about hands of the ripper is just the fact that it really was a standard slasher not, not a slasher movie but just like you know i mean what has always fascinated me about jack the ripper was the psychology behind it and what could have drove somebody to commit such atrocities like i said before it's one thing to to take someone's life but then when you go ahead and you violate the body there's something so just it's just wrong about that you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like murder is one thing but then when you violate the body both in a sexual manner and in a sort of anatomical manner and you disembowel them you dissect them and you what was it what was he trying to satiate you know what i mean what what urge was he trying to fulfill by doing this Mm. stuff where was the motive we don't know that's the whole thing we just don't know yeah everybody in london wanted him caught and they were all saying what the police should do they should dress up as prostitutes they should wear electrified girdles or what have you yeah to attract them and then so uh, the psychology is something that always you know fascinated me about jack the ripper and there was no psychology in this movie the methodicalness of how he worked and his murders and so on there may have there may not have been any rhyme or reason to the victims he picked but the methodicalness of what he did to them afterwards is eminently fascinating and whereas in this movie young anna when she would flash back and become the living incarnation of Jack the Ripper, it was just a quick slash of the throat and what have you. And that was the end of that. There was no violation, there was no mutilation, there was none of that sort of stuff. So the movie itself doesn't... Yeah, it was. It really detracted from it to have a female protagonist because especially, well, if she would have emulated her father's M.O., then it might have been something. But these were very pedestrian kills for a... Uh, killer known for the exact opposite so it, it really didn't make sense there was a weird one like through a hand just again like one stab and well through a hand like, and eye so that's actually kind of a cool uh, murder yeah I, I suppose it just it, it sort of lacked the 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 mystique of of uh, Jack the Ripper and also I think what added to that was the soundstage aspect of a lot of it too I think we just passed uh, St. James and they filmed I think some of it at St. James Cathedral but for the most part, like London locales were just non-existent. It was soundstage stuff, which really detracted from it when I compare it to like uh, Murder by Decree, which was all full of just... Or Frenzy. Uh, or fr- Frenzy, uh, or something where just full of London. And that, in the case of Frenzy, Covent Garden, just imbued with this, like what we've discovered now to be all this, this amazing locale. So the, what got me when I was watching Murder by Decree was the clop-clop of the horse hooves and the carriage and it just like in the darkness and the gaslights and the alleys and and the drunkenness and the uh, woman stumbling into an alley and trying to come up with 10 pence or whatever the equivalent would be to find a bed for the night and it's just yeah this is the movie that scared the living crap out of me like no other it has i think since it would be murder by decree i've talked about it before on the podcast but i had to 
listen to a radio under cover of my bed sheets because <laughs> I could not sleep. I was sweating and uh, in How bed. Old were you when you, when you I was 12 okay. when I saw this and it was at my grandmother's place in rural Ontario and I could not sleep all night. I was just There's sweating. A town in North Ontario. Ontario. <laughs> yeah, it was unbearable and I so I put on a hockey game play by play just so someone would say, "Oh, he passes it to Smith, to Johnson, whatever," just so I could hear something beyond this because I was shaken and I couldn't take it and there's something about it again the knife and the top hat and uh, the, that was a movie that stayed with me I've been fascinated with it I've well, forgotten I mean, a lot of the particulars mm -hmm. and my apologies if we got some of the names wrong of the victims your Eddowes or Mary Eddowes or Long Liz but the well, there's so many new developments I cannot keep track and but being here and being in the East End and seeing how the neighborhood is still in many ways, the same neighborhood it would have been at the time. Newcomers trying to eke out uh, an existence. And they're there and they're being, you know, terrorized by this thing. And it, it's, it brought the city to a standstill for weeks at a time during the period that this happened. And there were no answers. And people were demanding answers. Vigilante mobs were being formed to go after people. We can't conceive of anything happening similarly today. This took the public for a ride. Star rating for Hands of the Ripper. Uh, it was an enjoyable time waster, uh, but not... A lot of mustache twirling, the, the candelabra, the mirror, all the hallmarks of the hammer, but not a great hammer. Like a very mediocre, tepid hammer film. And a very mediocre, tepid Jack the Ripper film. So yeah. I'm going to give it... Um, Two and a half stars. Yeah, likewise. Maybe even, yeah, I guess two and a half is fine. But beyond Hands of the Ripper, just once again, going back to the legend of Jack the Ripper, and this is going to, this is something that's going to outlast us all, you know? Yeah. Everybody listening to this podcast right now, when we're all dead and buried and underground, our, our, our um, kids, our grandkids are going to be coming to Whitechapel and going on these same Jack the Ripper tours. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's just, this legend will never, ever, ever die. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, for example, um, I'm a big fan of Neil Gaiman, okay? And uh, the Sandman comic book and so on, as well as his novels. And one of, it, one of his greatest novels is American Gods, which is now being adapted into a TV series. I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting the second season. And... The concept of American gods is that a god only exists for as long as people believe in them. Once someone stops believing in the legend of whomever, the god then no longer becomes immortal. They disappear. Yes, yes. So, you know, all these gods of your, of yesteryear, you know, I'm talking about like, you know, your famous Egyptian gods, etc. Yeah, Christopher Hitchens pointed out there's a graveyard of gods mm -hmm. in whom none of us believe. Like, no one believes in Thor and everything. And there's just, yeah. Yeah, uh, or like Horus or what have yeah. you, or, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. Osiris or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and the, yeah. Uh, American gods, incredible. Incredible series, incredible book, what have you. And Nancy Boys, another um, Neil Gaiman novel that has been sort of woven into the tapestry of the series. The series stars the series stars the incredible Ian McShane, and I mean I cannot wait for the second season. Anyhow, because of the fact that the Ripper 
legend and lore is going to continue on for it's already been continue for hundreds of years it's going to continue on for he will yeah. never die because there will always be people believing in jack the ripper yeah. fascinated by jack the ripper wanting to discover more about the jack the ripper armchair um ripperologist that's yeah. a hilarious term it's mm. just like you know something is interesting when there's not even i mean they call it the canonical five the five murders uh, attributed to him but that's not even set in stone uh, for the 90 percent we are 90 percent certain that the five were the canonical five some say he committed more uh, you know that they're seven to eight some say like one of the murders they speculate he was interrupted in the middle of it because one of the victims only had her throat slit and they speculate that someone came upon him mm -hmm. at the time of her being done in so even that like there's no and then of course the copycats which is fascinating the the graffiti which was abruptly washed off by one of the uh, i forget who it was like one of the uh, it was a freemasons uh, yeah the freemasons so it's the, this is the important evidence and why it's it disappeared and this the taunting letter to mr lusk who was the superintendent at the time found out to later to be falsified is like there's too much like beyond like we we don't claim to be ripperologists. We're we're here to talk genre films, but it's just but get, there's yeah. too much to to even like, and it will in twenty years there'll be a new thing right. and it'll just dominate so the headlines. Getting back to my original point, because of the fact that, you know, unlike certain gods that nobody prays to anymore, and so they disappear. Jack the Ripper will always remain a figure of fascination, ergo. His legend will continue on and on and on, and they will never, they will never ever be a definitive answer as to who this person was, why he did what he did, and so on and so forth. So, it's just something to, just, really, really occupy the, the imagination. Yeah, exactly. And where whereas Hans the Ripper may have been a lesser Jack Ripper movie, in very many respects. Jack the Ripper will live on forever. Uh, we will not, though, because we have to get, uh, we have to turn in. Uh, we're going to crack open another beer. Uh, we got a, a flight tomorrow, so we're going to have to cut this uh, short. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we will be back at our downtown Toronto headquarters next week, and we'll be talking more genre film, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank mm -hmm. you.